Welcome everybody to the Side B edition of Press Pause Radio's Games Club on the Eco and Shadow Colossus Collection. On a more serious note, before we go ahead and move on with our fucking little forum of epic bullshit and whatnot, uh, we'd actually want to go ahead and take this opportunity to be a little bit serious and uh, pay tribute to one of the most revolutionary minds in the technological industry, uh, and that would be Mr. Stephen Jobs. Uh, he was taken away from us this week on Wednesday, I believe, and it's been known that he's been suffering from cancer and gone in and out of remission, but I think this was uh, I think this was a fight that eventually would have came knocking at death's door, and we, we definitely want to go ahead and pay our tribute and respect to such a wonderful man. Well, I mean, uh, I used to be a very ardent uh, Macintosh supporter, and uh, let it be known that without Steve Jobs or his uh, revolutionary vision for Apple computers, Bullet Heaven wouldn't exist right now. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, even then, beyond the realm of technology, he's he's done so much just to contribute to, to music especially. Mm. in regards to the revolution of mp3 players with the iPod and even then just the way people look at computers and just basically the attitudes and the proprietary know-how of applying software and mechanics towards their exact operation dude like Steve Jobs is a revolutionary and people you know these are footsteps that aren't going to be easy to follow so if you're wherever you are Mr. Jobs Fucking more power to you, dude. And uh, our managing editor, Sean, also was able to go ahead and write up a quick little tribute. So if you guys want to check that out on the website, that's from all of us here at Press Pause Radio. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get back into the Games Club. Side B of the cassette. Sarah, were there cassette tapes in Canada? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I, I think they might have been invented up here or something. I'm not sure. Really? <laughs> I think they might have been. What did you did you ever personally own any cassette tapes? Oh yeah, a ton. Actually, the reason I'm such a good narrator is because I recorded my stupid smarmy voice all through my childhood. Dude, shut up! Like Captain Kirk, did you say Captain's Log and everything? No, I was a little more. Uh, it was like news broadcast is what I was doing. Oh wow! But yeah, okay. So for, for years. Than, <laughs> other than the sound of your own voice, you fuck. Did you actually have, like, any cassette tapes that you purchased? Like, any any bands, anything at all? Well, I had a few from, like, Weird Al or whatever, but I was content with my Mega Man mixtapes. There you go. I think yours is probably the least embarrassing out of all of us. I mean, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was the collective that we got? We've got the soundtrack, the Dangerous Minds, and Titanic. And then, Ninja Turtles 2. <laughs> and Ninja Turtles oh, 2. And then we got Paul Abdul, Beastie Boys, and The Offspring. And then Whitney Houston. I did also have a Weird Al collection myself, but I left it at a friend's house and it got misplaced, so I didn't count those before. Son of a bitch. Let's start the show.
All right, everybody, welcome to Press Pause Radio, uh, side B of Games Club for the Shadow of Colossus Eco Collection. And uh, that is the exact game that we'll be discussing on this uh, episode, Shadow of the Colossus. With us this evening, we have a returning guest and overall awesome man. He's, he's actually probably the only one bringing any class to the show. That would be uh, Mr. Rob Rich of Crush, Frag, Destroy, and other random oddities and whatnot on the internet. Internet's Rob Rich. There we go. Well, thank you. Um, I am actually, it's a little known fact, my middle name is in fact awesome. Is it? No, not really. Yeah, because then <laughs> then your the acronym that would be your name would be RAR. RAR. RAR, yes. RAR. RAR. Which would be awesome. It would be. Awesome. And then that other guy, the the pundit of puns. That's right. And uh, overall, just Jesus Christ, what a fucking cavalcade of misery we've got going on in the show. Uh, that would be Sarah Xor. How you doing, buddy? It's been a while since you've been on the show. Oh, I know. You know, my middle name is Infinite Ammo. True story. No, wait. Explain <laughs> this. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Okay. I think it's a virility joke. <laughs> I... I at first, I really thought that this required hundreds, hundreds of dollars, and then some, <laughs> some fucking willing on your end to actually get this legally done. Uh, uh, I, I'm content with my four names as it is, but that's okay. Yeah, I've got four names too. I've, I've legally have two middle names, but that's the European in me. Oh, but no, no, that's not the thing. I've got three middle names and then my last name. So then oh. you have five names in total. Yes, I, I, my name took up two two lines on the graduation program in high school. Why do you gotta you gotta go out big in everything you do? <laughs> That's how I roll. Jesus Christ. Alright, in this episode, we're gonna go ahead and touch up on our experiences with Shadow of the Colossus. Now uh we we had some guests that couldn't make it this recording, so essentially me and Rob were the only ones that were able to beat it. Um Andrew was too busy being an adult, as well as traveling cross country to get a Neo Geo cab, which really took away finishing the game. Oh, that's sick. Uh, uh, so jealous. You, you should see all the fucking games he got. He actually traded with uh, 8-Bit Mike. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he traded in an MK cab, I believe, too. No way. Um, And then Robin wasn't able to make it, so we have me and Rob who've beaten the game. And then uh, Sarah's just colorful commentary as opposed to the fact that he's witnessed the game and he's going to go ahead and talk about it from a different perspective of watching the game in action. So, but don't worry, my commentary is still just as valid. Isn't it always? It always is, yes. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, just a quick note to everybody, m- much better fucking planned games club in the future. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, yeah, let, let me just uh, put it on the record here. I mean, these guys know already, but the reason why uh, I haven't gotten around to playing Shadow of the Colossus, and I really did want to, but... Uh, so much time was put into the premiere of Bullet Heaven Season 3 that I wasn't able to sort of squeeze in the, the game time. Plus, I was working like a fucking slave at my paying job, quote-unquote. So, there was Day that, job. too. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, I really like the game that you, you did it on. No fucking way would that game ever make it to North America at <laughs> all. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Sky Destroyer, and I don't know if you, you're privy to Bullet Heaven... Uh, Rob Rich, but essentially the premise is World War II, and you're a Japanese bomber taking out U.S. planes. That, that right. I was able to not, yeah. <laughs> Too soon? 
not it, I, <laughs> I don't think so but i guess no, I not the 80s so. it was yeah 85 is when it came out yeah it wow. doesn't look like a game that came out in 85 though it looks pr- like it looks like a late generation nes game i know right and that's it was it was uh like i can't say much about the sound you know that does make it seem like it's older but you're, you're right the, the graphics for 1985 are actually quite well put together and there's very little slowdown throughout it was not bad at all. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and uh, get the shindig on the road. So as we mentioned, we're going to go ahead and talk about a little bit about The Last Guardian. Figured that there, there hasn't been a lot of light shed on the project, and we haven't really talked about it at all on Press Pause Radio, so we figured we'd go ahead and share some of our opinions towards it. And then we'll go ahead and hop into the meat and potatoes of this Games Club episode, and we'll talk about our experience with the Wanderer and the Forbidden Land that he fucking oh so flexes on himself to fucking free the curse that is death of his lover or so it seems whatever the case may be this fucking game is so open to interpretation it's maddening (laughs) it really is so uh, without further ado let's go ahead and touch on the last guardian Uh, it's supposed to be the third project from uh, the mastermind behind the uh, the eco the the spiritual eco successor. I don't know. I, I really d- I, I I still don't know exactly what to draw to it. But nonetheless, it's done by Fumita Yuda, uh, the mastermind behind Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. And according to like what he's has talked about within interviews. The inspiration for the game actually took place from the relationship that, you know, the Wanderer had with Agro and the fact that the fucking that horse. I've never seen such a stupid but loyal horse like that horse. That horse, <laughs> like, you know, far be it from me to just go off and quote Internet memes. But that that horse, I really feel like is the epitome of derp <laughs> to like, I, I don't know what it is. Just like every time that fucking horse, like, just what's what's the slower version of galloping like trotting or trotting 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 yeah, yeah. The, the moment it just trots towards you i swear to god like i just hear derp in between each trot like derp, <laughs> derp, 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 derp. Uh, the first thing that i the first thing now that you mentioned it that i think is the uh that uh flash video that was made i guess by some well i, I forget what the guy's name was but it was called my horse is amazing yeah look that up it's hilarious all right, well, we'll have to definitely throw that in the show notes or the Facebook. Um, yes, I have to say, too, there have been times where uh, I've called Agro over and he'll rush over and then come to a skidding halt, like, a few feet in front. And I honestly, every time, expect him to start panting and wagging his tail. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, though, he he it's not even, like, a startling halt. It's like a violent halt, like, <laughs> I'm going to fucking scrape the ground. But, yeah, mm-hmm. no, that horse... Throughout the entire game, like, I, I haven't seen anything like it. It's definitely against the nature of a horse, too, because if you 
think about. I mean, maybe we're we're kind of touching into certain tangents a little earlier than most, but in relation to the Last Guardian, just that loyalty. There's a loyalty that supersedes nature itself, being as horses like get fucking scared easily by like the approach of even something th- the size of man, let alone some <laughs> fucking towering goddamn thing that it just runs around. And well, that also depends on the horse. I mean, you know, you gotta remember people have been riding horses to war and in battles and stuff for centuries. True, but still, like to see such an unnatural fucking beast such a towering foe just like that casts a shadow fucking towards a horizon at most to like especially <laughs> to the peripheral of a horse you don't think it would panic a little bit but i kind of noticed he does panic because he usually just runs around in a circle while i'm doing my thing <laughs> <laughs> well it could also be that you know i don't know maybe he's used to it <laughs> we don't know anything about where Ago came from maybe all the other horses were like the size of buildings or something yeah, that run. thing's definitely the size of a fucking car. Jesus Christ, that horse is <laughs> But neither here or there. We can get more back in a more aggro speak later. Uh, it was based off of that relationship. And it, according to what Fumita has basically described with the, uh, the gameplay, it, it's a combination of the same kind of component that was found in Eco, except where you have this... Uh, where you where you have this symbiotic relationship between you and the creature, which is like this griffin cat colossus buck thing. I don't know what it is. It's got like two or three horns. No, four horns. I'm looking at it now. And it kind of, I don't know, it just looks like an exotic griffin chihuahua. Um, <laughs> it's like a giant <clears throat> possum cat bird. Yeah, just giant possum cat bird. There we go. <laughs> two parts bird, one part ferret. Ah. <laughs> uh, the relationship is kind of similar in the way it stems between Yorda and Eco. However, where Yorda is practically useless and helpless most of the time, uh, it's the other way around, and you depend on this creature. And whether it's by movement or just just trans uh, transportation between different heights or different levels of the room that you happen to be in, it's also going to be uh, protecting you during combat situations and. There's supposed to be a hint of a rock-paper-scissors formula, kind of like Mega Man, and where there are times where, you know, the creature's going to be weak towards something, but the boy, being you, that's who you're going to control, will be able to stand up to what it is. Maybe kind of like the way a mouse would frighten an elephant, however, mice to us are just a fucking kick and an impact away against a wall before they fucking smear down this bloody puddle of regret. I I hate mice. Anyway, (laughs) so, I don't know. Never would have guessed. Yeah, I just I don't like them. You know what's funny, One of those things, funny huh? too is they're, they're like a dollar. They're like a dollar at the pet store <laughs> to eat snakes. They're there literally to be purchased for fucking sure torture or death. I wonder if anybody's actually planned on like cultivating a mice farm, only to kill them all in like some sort of small mice genocide. You could be the first. I don't want to be. I don't want to <laughs> be that cruel. <laughs> oh, now it's cruel. I get. I don't know. <laughs> every every now and again, I look at those mice and I'm like, hmm. I wonder what kind of uh, what kind of shenanigans my ferrets would, you know, perform if there was a mouse in their cage? Because they Did eat you just those hear things a Benny too, Hill right? Theme in the background. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if they, if they can take out rabbits, what would they do to a mouse? Oh, jeez. Back to back to the actual game that we're talking about. I don't know, Rob. <laughs> what are your impressions of it so far? Um, that when it does finally come out in the year 2035, <laughs> I am going to be all over it. 
It was actually supposed to be released this year, and then I believe in April they pushed it to 2012. So yeah, but Team Eco is like you know, sometimes they out Valve, Valve, and out Blizzard, Blizzard. Yeah, that's true. I mean, how many? God damn it! How many delays did Shadow of the Colossus have? I'm yeah. trying to, th- I'm trying to think. Of course, they have a track th- record of showing like one image and then not saying anything for five years, right? Yeah. And then Shadow of the Colossus was originally Nico. Yeah. And then it was originally going to be multiplayer. Yeah, and it was actually going to be like the first MMO for uh, Sony's then launched uh, network adapter for the online experience that they wanted to promote and boast. But then that honor went to Final Fantasy XI, thankfully. Uh, and which is totally worthwhile. Yeah, hey, it is. Eleven's amazing, and Eleven's still going on, and it's still going to keep going on. Don't be hating. <laughs> too late. Uh, what was I going to say, though? I remember, too, when Last Guardian first came out, I believe it was actually a small trailer with no name. And then finally, we got a title card that had the name. So at, at first, I believe it was just called Project Trico. Yeah. I thought that was the stupidest fucking name ever, Trico. Well, actually, that name's carried over. That's the name of the creature. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, God. But it makes sense because the, uh, what uh, Shadow of the Claws was originally supposed to be was Nico. Yeah, like me, which is two in Japanese, sure. Well, what's three And then Trico, try. Three in Japanese is Sun. Oh, well, try, tricycle. Yeah. Tribot. <laughs> Maybe they're going to try. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. There's not. I guess there isn't a lot to say about it, other than the fact that I don't know that the the big theory, as I, in, we talked about it in the last episode, was just a real strong emphasis of love, basically something an emotional attachment that immerses the player into something beyond the presentation and context of the actual game, basically being perceived originally as interactive media to an experience, and. Just from and, what that, <laughs> and the fact that everyone expects that they're going to get their heart ripped out through their ass at the end. Yeah. No, you know, what's funny is uh, I remember Penny Arcade did a comic about it and they're pretty much they, they throw a prediction like either the boy dies, the creature dies or they both die there. We just saved you. <laughs> like we just saved you so much time. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I really didn't get to see a lot other than th- there are moments to where there was a the boy was like handing barrels over to the creature and then the creature was moving the barrels with his uh with his nozzle or not his nozzle what do, what do you call it? the muzzle there we go is it I yes don't, i don't know muzzle yeah his, I don't his know. Nose, nose mouth yeah his nose mouth there you go i like that one <laughs> nose mouth um using his nose mouth to move the barrels to its their predetermined destination and i really want and you know i'll touch about it later when we talk about it just the physics engine I really want there to be something a little bit more robust, especially the fact that I'm going to be essentially co co managing, you know, what what would perceive to be a, an average boy as opposed to a giant fucking creature, and like being able to really feel the the weight between the both of them, just the, the way that I felt the weight of you know pulling Yorda's hand and Eco. So, where do you guys predict this is going to go? I'm pretty sure this is going to be more related to Eco. I mean, that's the impression I get from it too. It's like, I mean, there were definite, definite shades of Shadow of the Colossus, but that has more to do with the creature itself. I really think, just feeling wise, you know, it's going to be much more like Eco. It's got the castle environment. Looks like it's going to be a lot of exploration. 
I'm interested though to see how they kind of rope in players. Like, is it going to be you can go pretty much everywhere from the start, like just hop on the creature and go, or will they find ways of limiting your access to different areas at certain points in the game so that you have to go down a predetermined path at certain points? I bet you this creature is going to have some sort of fucking sprained appendage or clipped wings or something. <laughs> Something or, of like the how to train your dragon uh, maybe, model, you know? Maybe, I mean, you know, theorizing, but like there are clips in the video where the kid's throwing barrels to the creature that, and he like eats them. I don't know, maybe at some point you'll like get somewhere and then you have to feed it before you can move on or something. Maybe so it'll be something like. Uh, or something. Maybe it'll be something like Panzer Dragoon uh, 2, where. The uh, you know in Panzer Dragon Two how your your creature evolves in certain ways your dragon yeah. evolves depending on what you do maybe it'll have something to do with that I honestly you know you mentioned a good point about feeding the creature even though they talk about like wanting to capture this emotional attachment I wouldn't be surprised if Pomita just like threw this fucking curveball to fuck everyone up and the emotional attachment only goes as far as the actual necessary relationship that you would need to have with the boy I mean. The way I'm, I'm, the direction I'm going with this is, what if you don't feed the creature after a while? Does he eventually turn on you? You know, mm. that that nobody's really. I don't think anybody's really just talked about that because, carnally, a, a creature, m- most creatures don't really develop that kind of relationship unless they're domesticated. The thing looks far from fucking domesticated. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even then, I don't just, know. Maybe there's a collar hiding under all the feathers. Yeah, true, but. I don't know. I feel like there, there's there got to be some sort of penalty. You know, think about it. The penalty for, or I would say the consequence or the, the albatross. There we go. The albatross of the relationship between Yorda and Eco was the fact that you had to protect Eco from shadow creatures and she could barely do anything on her own. And where you have the exact sort of opposite uh, spectrum of, the, of where you have this giant creature that you can depend on for movement, for protection. But what kind of, you, you got to pay some kind of price. It can't just stem purely on love you're gonna have to feed this fucking thing or it's gonna turn on you well realistically i doubt they would do that because you know then what people will be playing the game stuck in a building with this rampaging beast outside nowhere to go nowhere no way to turn it off but i mean it could be something like maybe the kid sets it free and that's where it starts you know i imagine situations where maybe there's like some big gate or something or hell maybe the creature gets captured at some point and the kid lets him go or the kid like goes in where the creature can't reach and like flips switches and does the typical things you expect the smaller of the pair to do. And just commit Sepku. Bam! When he doesn't <laughs> get his way. This is going to be the very first game to implement Sepku. Or it could just be that the creature eats him and then you have to you know restart from the checkpoint. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I really like, I understand, you know, it, it's unlikely to an extent, but think about it. There, there was this sort of consequential system between Yorda and Eco, and even then, there, there's always this, if we're real, I don't know, maybe we're drawing too much contrast and too much comparison, but I feel like I don't, I don't have a lot to go off of, but then again, you know, maybe, maybe it's just a free-giving relationship, just like the Wanderer and Aggro, who knows? Yeah, I mean, Aggro wasn't really getting much out of that relationship. <laughs> no, other than some hand pats, and that's if you chose to do it. Mm-hmm. You just go up and pat the horse. You can even pat it while riding. But other than that, he was usually being stood upon, grabbed on, thrown off of cliffs, 
shot at by arrows when frustrated. Like, I do recall um, one evening I was trying to take out a silver-tailed lizard and aggro was blatantly just trotting into my line of fire. And those things are a bitch to hunt down sometimes. Yeah, they are. And I, I just jumped on Twitter and it's just like said something to the effect of, I love you, aggro, but if you get in my way one more time, I'm going to purposely shoot you in the face. <laughs> yeah, especially if you have those flash arrows. You just send that you just send fucking horse meat flying. <laughs> You're like, I'm not kidding. Um but anyway One man glue factory, huh? Oh, he there explodes you go. and then you whistle and he comes back. <laughs> <laughs> There's just this stable that appears out of nowhere and he just fucking gallops through. It uh, is a sequel to Eco. It takes place in the afterlife. Yeah, it could you, who knows? <laughs> I mean, even then and we, like I said, we've also got plenty of our theories towards like just the the way Shadow of the Colossus pans out. But I don't know. I all we've really got going on is the fact that it's going to be released within 2012. Uh, also, allegedly, yeah, allegedly. But I think it's already been, it was announced in 2008, so that's four years in development. So I I really think that sooner or later it's going to be it's going to be dropped. Hopefully, but uh. W- God damn it, there was something I really did want to point out. I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, this is going to be the first game in where uh, they're going to be able to work in a platform like the PlayStation 3 to where they can uh, work in the realm of downloadable content. This is true. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm kind of wondering if they've even been, you know, approached with that. But at the same time, being <laughs> as a fact that they hardly deliver, well, I wouldn't say hardly deliver, but they hardly have a time just to deliver the full content itself that I don't know. That's the one thing. And that's one of the big flaws about Japanese development that there's this, you know, traditional mindset that I, if they were to do the DLC, would they do it wrong? Or if it would be something as probably as simple as a time attack mode or something of that effect. So possibly a different model slash skins for the creature. Yeah, there you go. Which, which <laughs> you could ride a dollars? giant aggro. <laughs> oh, God. You just have a four-legged Yorda. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, I think that's enough that we can really go ahead and talk about The Last Guardian. I mean, there's not a lot to really say in regards to the setting. The setting, again, is really... It's really reminiscent of the castle found in Eco. I mean... There were, were there a lot of outdoor segments? I, I do remember there was an underwater segment, which I really enjoyed. Maybe there's going to be more of a presence of underwater work, being as that's something that's never really been maybe completely touched on. I mean, although it's interesting, though, because I have noticed, like, especially the, uh, the, the big temple in Shadow of the Colossus, it does architecturally uh, bear a bit of a similarity to the castle in Eco. So, I mean, they've got that theme. With like buildings, you know, they all seem to be made by the same culture, I guess. Yeah, which there I guess is... goes with it all taking place in the same universe. But yeah. no, there's definitely. I don't there... know where I was going with that. Well, no, <laughs> Fumita is is definitely done very little to really establish any kind of canon to the plot, but he's yeah. done enough to definitely strongly imply that they these these all take place within the same world. And that there, there's some sort of connection that you can tie between the three of them. 
especially with the you know these two, which would I, I would definitely am excited to get into the just the concept of talking about the connection between the two. Yeah, but, after beating Colossus last night, I uh, there was a line that I wanted to bring up that I will later that I thought was like, you know, if that doesn't tie it into eco, I don't know what does. Yeah, I and I definitely want to go ahead and uh, touch into that. But uh, I think there's pretty much everything we've really said about Last Guardian. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's much of anything else we can really talk about. <laughs> so if everybody's ready to go ahead and get on the get on, let's go ahead and uh, jump into the Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> survive three nerds one podcast they fought against the odds they fought against the barrels but on this evening they took upon themselves to do what no one else would do games club these nerds this game explosions romance on the press pause radio games club coming to an ipod near you and quite possibly a zoom Shadow of the Colossus is very different from Eco in several respects as far as the gameplay. It's definitely more action-oriented. And I don't know, Rob, you were mentioning something about the intro, which is funny because, you know, not a lot of people really took the time to watch the intro, but this thing's fucking large. It it, it, it sprawls <laughs> for, for quite some time. Yeah. And I didn't get the chance to really rewatch it, but there was this... uh there was a sense of foreboding, this uh, this looming gloom, if you will. When once you ca- you saw these pan shots of this woman or this figure wrapped up, while you you would see different uh, other scenes of the wanderer like slowly caressing the woman or figure, as it will. I mean, it's got it, you can kind of get an impression that it is a female shape within that mummy. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't say mummy, but cocoon of a fucking corpse, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I don't know, there, there was this sense of, uh, I really, I really can't explain it. There is a term that's used for just the setup, but just the entire, the entire setup alone of the, the world and, and basically what's to be expected was done really, really well within the intro. There's, it it was done subtly too. Like there wasn't this obvious, you know, build up to where you get a plot outline, you, you get this sort of prologue treatment you just get this slowly it, it's slowly growing i guess the best way i can say it this this growth of a of a plot line or a growth of a an impression towards the aesthetic and just overall the feelings that you're you're to draw from the experience it's like this feeling for me personally anyway, it's like a feeling of sort of like <clears throat> sadness and foreboding that slowly builds into like a almost like a slight hopefulness. Yeah, there there is a sense of urgency. 
that that's a big theme that I get throughout the the entire thing, and that's not just yeah. from the not just from the uh, the actual galloping of uh, aggro, but just the fact that you know between movement and different pan shots to the fact that there is you know there is a destination kept in mind. There doesn't you know what I mean? There it, it really stresses time is of the essence, and like it, if I have this one last shot and. There's a real, you know, there's a real quality to be said. The fact that you can draw all these emotions and all these uh, impressions from something that's, again, done so subtly and really has like no, no set dialogue or no set approach or flow. I mean, yeah. again, even even the intro, fucking boating out is really really open to interpretation. Well, that's yeah. That's <laughs> That was actually um, what I was referring to before, is like just the intro. The game itself, the moods kind of... They're a bit more controlled. The opposite, yeah. <laughs> so, there, <laughs> you got to see the intro, right? I didn't. That's the one thing I didn't get to see was the whole intro, because the person that was playing it was being a jerk. Jesus. I know. <laughs> so wait, I just gotta ask, you own this game. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Why haven't you played it? <laughs> Uh, haven't we had this talk before about my backlog? Uh, all right. Now, if it involved multipliers and shooting power-ups, would you play it? I probably would have played it by now, yes. Yeah, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Technically, it has shooting power-ups. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in a sense, in a sense, it does. Um, but anyway, well, yeah, the intro... I mean, there's, it's not really substantial. I mean, you can honestly play the game without it, but I really feel like it sets a tone of what to expect. Yeah. Like, even then, if, like, if definitely if you're going to go through and play the game again after beating it, definitely go through and, and, and play it. And just, I don't know, the entire, the subtlety of the entire game, the way it grows, it's just fucking, it's insane to me, especially if you pay attention. It's one of those things that you really need to draw focus on. But uh, let's go ahead and I want to talk about the root mechanics before we actually go into everything else regarding the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the root mechanic of the game, it, it, it definitely works. It's actually, it's just as simplistic as, say, Eco. And I, I don't know. I think it, especially in this game, the camera angles where they're much more dependent being as opposed to some sort of jump. You You have a towering fucking creature that you're trying to bring down. They really, really let you down. It's annoying. God damn, is it annoying to the point where I felt like I, I really felt like I, I didn't fail against this Colossus due to my own poor lack of skill or my own drive to kill this thing. But more or less, it was a game that was just fucking me in any kind of orifice that would feel best violate me. So I don't know. What, what do you guys what do you feel about that, Rob? Um, well, I mean, the camera angles coming at it now with the uh, rose-tinted glasses of nostalgia placed off to the side on the nightstand, it definitely has some camera issues, but I think, <clears throat> like, for example, trotting around in the, uh, just in the world, I'll be on the lookout for safe stations and fruit trees and stuff, and the camera always wants to swing around, which... I know the reason they do that is because it presents this incredibly pretty, well-framed image of aggro running down the uh, the environment. But it's really annoying when you're trying to look for certain items. 
Mm-hmm. It's not practical um, either. I've noticed that they like to do a, a like the perspective that I always come around to is an over the shoulder perspective, like Resident Evil Four. Yeah, or slightly lower so that you can't see over hills that you're moving towards. I mean, it um, gives it a very cinematic look, oh, and I guess yeah. to to a point, it's it's a lot like the original Metal Gear Solid, where future revisions had the option of taking a different camera angle. The original was usually just a fixed camera angle that made things a little more difficult than they needed to be, and it's for the most part, what I'm getting from this particular style of camera. Well, see, the thing with Metal Gear Solid, though, is they they really built upon that camera angle to where mm. they actually built the game around it. You know what I mean? It it, it wasn't yep. it was annoying to a certain aspect, but it was still more than doable. And so manageable, where, yes. Manage well, more than manageable. I I really never complained about the overhead camera. In fact, uh, the the biggest cry out that I would say where I cried foul was towards. Metal Gear Solid 4 and just that that felt so fucking jarring to me at first but I, I really got used to it but still like something like that I really feel like Metal Gear Solid doesn't play very well as a third person though I love Metal right. Gear Solid 4 I mostly love it as, as a as a close to the chapter not it's not my favorite by far out of the entire series but third person and I remember too uh, Substance also gave you that option to play Metal Gear Solid 3 and yeah, I can't even fucking imagine how somebody would try to play through that game through from third person. Like again, ju- just all the mechanics alone are built from that camera angle. Whereas Shadow of the Colossus, there, the, like I said, the whole the purpose of the angle and, and the cameras involved, as Rob mentioned, they they don't serve the purpose of being practical to assist the player in moving around and basically, you know, transgressing. They're they're really they're they're imposed there to basically present the scene at its at its prettiest or at its most just awe inspiring. Like I said, the game the game really revels in its image, and that's something that works for it and doesn't work for it at the same time. It's it's kind of a vain bitch to be honest. <laughs> well, on the topic of the camera when fighting the colossi, um, <clears throat> pardon me, getting over a cold. Um, I think like it wasn't too big a problem for most of the, uh, most of the fights, but in more confined spaces, it would constantly butt up against the wall and shift where I didn't want it to. And for some of the fights where the colossi would like, like the bipedal ones that would swing their heads back to try and shake you off, the camera would like swing around to the back, but then stay there when they moved their head back down. So I'd have to manually move the camera around to the front again so I could see whether or not I was in position to try and plunge my magic sword into their skull again. So it was a bit rough, yeah. I I honestly had some issues, especially when I had to involve my bow and arrow. That's the one thing. The bow and arrow, it, it doesn't really stay on point to where the reticle would be in the center of the screen. It feels like it actually point. The cursor points wherever you had the analog glass placed. And not only that, I don't know what Fumita's fucking idea of inverted camera angles or inverted aim is. But that motherfucker's got it backwards. Apparently, you know, up is up is inverted to the Japanese. No. No, that's normal. Up is down is inverted. That's um, hence the meaning of invert. The default controls also have triangle jump, which is kind of weird. Yeah, but, you know, certain PlayStation games are that, just like there are certain games to where 
X was usually the confirmation and circle was usually the uh, the cancel out in relation yeah. to B and A of Nintendo consoles. There are certain consoles that did the exact opposite to where circle is confirmation, X is back out. So the button configuration, I really don't get too, you know, worked up over. But for the fuck of God damn it. Really? <laughs> this up up is up. That's that's not well, inverted. <laughs> at least they give you the option to change it. Yeah, right away from the start screen, which is true. It's just, I don't know, like, it just just seeing that immediately points to, like, an explanation as to why the camera can get as fucked as it can when they don't even know the difference. <laughs> At least in they my opinion. Uh, to an extent. Well, I think to them, they're like, what's with these Americans? <laughs> why do they think this is inverted? Ah, uh, phooey on them. Let's just give them the option. <laughs> now turn right here. You mean left. Who cares? We're Japanese. Anyway, uh, going back to the camera angles, I, I, I they don't ruin the game, but for the, they do, I, I say, frustrate them. And it's also what's funny, too, is just, I think it's what we've just been, like, raised to, especially in this generation, and then coming back and revisiting this game. From 2005 to 2011, a the camera angles have not aged well at all. But there's still, I, I believe the experience is strong enough t- to where you can overlook it. And if anything, it kind of adds to the, the the disparity of the situation when fighting against these fucking creatures. But still, like if anything, especially the fact that this has been a common complaint between both games. That hopefully we don't really come across seeing this sort of thing again in The Last Guardian. Hopefully. So, yeah, hopefully. That's if we get to see The Last Guardian in this lifetime, as you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a shame if the, if these, if this newest current gen Project Eco game or Team Eco game would uh, have the same problems as the last two, because they certainly had time to fix it. Yeah. And it, the, the thing that I've noticed too is Shadow of the Colossus roughly just feels like it's been built off of the eco engine just basically the eco engine was confined to where it had fixed angles uh in vain of like say resident evil code veronica or onamusha except in instead of like texture pastel backdrops they were fully recognized 3d models right and where mm-hmm. shadow of the colossus was the exact opposite it had a an open world sandbox feel to it which still had a, the right sense of being contained and, you know, that's another thing that I really want to talk about the world. But the animation, like I said, where you can definitely tell this was built off the same engine. It just it's slightly awkward towards Shadow of the Colossus to where, like I said, Eco is a small child as a boy who's running, especially the way he runs. Uh, you know, he he's running, dragging Yorta behind. The Wanderer is supposed to be, a, you know, a much older, much more refined adolescent male that that's, you know, got some sort of to imply some sort of badassery to his character, his image, especially the fact that he, he has some sort of warrior skills, especially with his climbing and his the mastery of aggro. Dude runs like a fucking fairy. He's just frolicking everywhere. Kind of <laughs> kind of throws off the It could be his it could be his wide birthing hips. Oh yeah, true. He does have fe- he does have birth He has lady hips. he has lady thighs. Oh, got got them lady bumps. <laughs> oh God. Well, um. Uh, anyway, I 
I kind of want to go ahead and touch into the the premise now. We've kind of actually taken a little too long to, before we've even touched on the premise. So let's go ahead and jump into that. So, you know, this might be jumping especially towards theories that, that could be drawn from the beginning of the game. But the one thing that I loved, and I actually kind of got this theory uh, from from the get-go, is the Wanderers basically traveling, in, uh, traveling into a land, which later on is revealed to be cursed. It's a cursed land. He goes to this shrine of worship, and you only know it's that that's what the name of it is because of the fact that that's what shows up when you save at that location. Uh, and at the shrine of worship, there's these entities that all speak in a collective manner known as Dorman. So whether it he is one single entity or several entities, which I'm assuming he's several entities, or he, she, because you hear a lot of female and uh, male voices speak together. So it's one of those creepy deity-like things where you hear the same dialogue being spoken with like nine different voices on top of each other. Uh, in this case, 16. You know, it, it kind of goes into several theories even then going throughout for the game, which we'll, we'll touch on. He essentially is an all-powerful entity that the Wanderer it, it already has a predetermined knowledge of. And essentially the Wanderer comes to him and and basically asks, I, I want her to be brought back to life. And, you know, he agrees to do so. It kind of gives to the manor, I kind of want to poise this question. Even though he was sealed, you guys think he could have done it without the Wanderer doing what he did with the Colossi? I don't think so, because I think both based on what was said in the beginning of, you know, his introduction to Dorman and at the end, I think it all is because of the sword. Like, Wander's got the skills, but the sword itself is how he was able to do those things. Like, if you came out of Colossus with a regular sword, it would probably do nothing. Kind of, which is kind of evidence in how, you know, you hit him with arrows and it doesn't hurt them. At all, no, even I, in the weak spot. I, I will go to the contrary to that because okay, I have, it hurts them slightly. I, I have filled an air, dude. I have made fucking colossi look like pin cushions to the point where I do finally find their vital spot. It, it takes a couple stabs and bam. Like I, I believe, especially in the fifteenth colossus, like that dude's open chest, you couldn't see it anymore by the time it was done with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, what I'm, I'm just saying is, like, you can use conventional weapons, but they're not, you know, you're not going to kill them with the conventional weapons. The whole reason he was up. able to take them down is that sword. Right. And then later on, it's revealed, you know, more about the sword. But yeah, Dorman, you're right. Dorman does recognize the sword. I believe Dorman even laughed at him beginning and said, really? Yeah. And then he sees the sword and is just like, well, <laughs> you've got the sword, so maybe... Yeah, and then I think, you know, we can really touch into that after really just getting the premise out of the way. But essentially, the Wanderer's sole purpose, his sole being as to why he's there is to raise, you know, Mono, which that's another bitch, too, because th this goddamn woman is a mystery throughout the entire game. And then finally, when the credits roll, you learn her name. So Mono is is the name of the woman that he he's basically presented upon the altar and you know it's really vague especially there are certain mini scenes throughout the game i never really understood whether or not 
the Wanderer and Mono had a consensual loving relationship before we see everything we have, or more or less this was just a singular passion of love that, you know, the Wanderer had for Mono and just, you know, seeing, you know, with her dying, he just couldn't go on living himself. And, you know, I love how that's never clearly explained. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Yeah. I mean, I always just assumed it was a, you know, a two way thing, but yeah, that's true. There is no real indication that she was ever into him, but then there's no, there's no real indication of the contrary either. Well, there kind of is actually. And and that's what made me question, especially when I like I analyzed the ending last night. But I mean, we can go into that. But I I think that what really sets the tone and what kind of invigorates you as a player. And you you mentioned the other day, Rob, when we were talking and this is off the record, that there was a moment that really immersed you into the the, but we're recording. (laughs) No, we weren't recording. We were were, off the record. I thought you meant off the record now. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, as we're recording. Sorry. No, I mean, in the past, you know, as we're talking about our experiences while getting together mm-hmm. to do this fucking thing, you, you mentioned that there was a moment that really immersed you. And actually, like, I'll go ahead and share mine before I, I'd like to hear a refresher on yours, because there, there's a moment to where you realize, or there's a sensation that you felt where this no longer was a game to you. And I think what that moment was for me was the moment that Dorman pretty much warned him and said, you know, there could be consequences to these actions and where you're going to take place. There's consequences to the actions of what you're about to do. And all he says back is, I don't care. As long as it's done, I'll do what needs to be done. And that really set the tone for the entire game. That one that one exchange of dialogue. And then you said there was something that involved you and Aggro that really kind of gave you the same sensation. Sounds so dirty when you put it that way. Um, <laughs> I... Honestly, don't remember what I was talking about a couple days ago about that. Um, hmm. Thanks a lot for opening up the stage of me being an asshole. No problem. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I honestly don't recall. Um, but I mean, as far as immersion goes, I think there were two key moments for me when I first played it that really kind of locked me in. One was at the end of, at the very end of the intro when the, when the music picks up and the camera sweeps out, pans out, and you see that huge bridge leading into this completely desolate land. This is exactly what you're talking about, by the way. So, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> well, it doesn't really involve aggro then, does it? <laughs> well, I don't know. You're on the horse, aren't you? I suppose. Um, but yes, that was, that was the big moment that really drew me in. And then, when I actually started playing the game, the first Colossus didn't really draw me in very much because I had played the demo to death at that point. So, you know, I took it down in like two minutes and it was just like, okay, whatever, next. And what really drove it all home for me as far as actually playing was taking on the second Colossus, which is the one, uh, the like giant four-legged like bull thing down on the beach. Yep. That, uh, it's like that one was more complicated because there was actually a process involved with getting just getting on the damn thing. And then the fact that the music actually changed and swelled like this just, you know, super exciting theme. Once oh, you actually I love got the ambiotic effects that the music yeah. gives. That's, then that's... it's just like, all right, it's got its hooks in me. Well, Sarah, being as you're an outsider looking in, 
what what immersed you into wanting to watch the game? <laughs> <laughs> what it was was the uh, the actual game mechanics of it. The, the fact that it was kind of its own boss rush without actually being a rush. Uh, because that's pretty boss much what the entire... Boss. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's more or less what the game is. It's just a series of boss battles with nothing really substantial in between, which is both good and bad because, you know, getting from place to place can, can take a long time and there's not much to do in between. But once you get to where you're going, you know, it's serious business because you've got this huge, you know, hulking colossus to take care of and it makes the travel all worthwhile. Yes. And just the, uh, the fact that it really sort of pushed the PS2 to its limits in terms of, uh, in terms of graphics, use the, uh, like a lot of blurring effects and, uh, and bloom lighting, something that really wasn't seen in very many PS2 games of its time. Uh, I would say it's one of the, one of the highest technical achievements on the PS2, and that just made it all the more, uh, all the more engrossing to watch, you know? So do you, is there a particular scene that you remember to where you knew you had to like drop everything you're doing and just keep watching? Uh, well, yeah, definitely. The, uh, I was, I think it's the first Colossus. That's the one with the giant club. Yes. 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 As soon as he's bashing the ground with this giant club and just sending everything flying, right. You know, the, sc- the screen is shaking. And, uh, I think at one point, uh, the guy playing got thrown from Angro, but, uh, the sheer scale of what was going on was just so, uh, u- unique up to that point. I had never seen anything quite like that in terms of an interactive game. That I was just, you know, completely awestricken. Yes, that is a point. You know what? I, you know, I remember Rob mentioned a demo too. I remember playing the demo, but I don't remember what game the demo was included in. I'm trying to remember what PS2 game the demo was included. I don't remember that either. I just maybe I, it was like a PlayStation Underground thing or a magazine, like PlayStation Magazine demo disc. No, I remember it's one. It, it's the same way Metal Gear Solid 2 was included in Zone of the Enders. I'm trying okay. to remember what Shadow of the Colossus was included in. Just sad everyone bought Zone of the Enders for the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo. <laughs> I, but Zone of the Enders is so good. Oh no, know, it right? was. I'm just saying, yeah. people bought it for the wrong reasons. Just like people bought Crackdown for the fucking Halo 3 beta. Ugh. Yeah, and but Crackdown was stupid. <laughs> so was Halo 3. Oh, fuck off. That's strike two for you, dude. <laughs> um, anyway, I kind of want to touch into going back to Dorman. Dorman mentioned that he was split into 16 different pieces, which were basically guarded by these guardians. And later on, it's kind of apparent that like the violent erupture of these fucking essences would leave the Colossi uh, are the, the essences of Dorman himself, which would then inhabit the wanderer and bring him back to the shrine of worship. I kind of want to go ahead and touch into the actual personas of the actual uh, Colossi themselves. So, the 16, and I kind of want to know, you know, I'm not the best history buff, but I kind of want to know what kind of a reference or if there's any any particular reference that you guys can draw of in real world history. Something before we go into particular colossi in the world itself. Uh, the first one is known as the Minotaur, and his name is Valus. The second one is known as the Bull, and his name is Quadratus. The third one is known as the Knight, and his name is Gaius. The fourth one is known as the Horse, and his name is Phaedra. The fifth one is known as the bird. That's like, I love how big that is. And his name is Avion. Uh, the sixth one is known as the bearded giant and its name is Barba. The seventh one is known as the electric eel and its name is Hydrus. 
The eighth one is known as the lizard, and it's known as Kuromari. The ninth one is known as the tortoise, and it's known as Basadi. Uh, the tenth one is known as the sandworm, and it's known as Dirge. Uh, and they all have Latin names, too, that, that's funny that they go into. Um, the twelfth one is known as the sea monster, it's my fucking most hated one. And oh, that's, I hate the twelfth one, it's so lame. Everybody hates the twelfth one, good. Uh, that one's known as Pelagia. Uh, the thirteenth one is known as the flying serpent, and that's known awesome as Phalanx, aka Rayquaza. Um, aka freaking awesome. Yes, and then uh, the 14th one is known as the Lion, which is known as uh, Cenobia. The 15th one is known as the Warrior, and his name is Argus. And finally, the 16th one is known as the Sorcerer, named Malice. So, is there anything at all between the Lion, the Warrior, the Sorcerer? I mean, if it, anything... It kind of conjures up a kind of a hodgepodge of both Greek mythology and, like, biblical lore. I kind of got that along with the Chinese Zodiac, because there's yeah. the tiger, and tiger! then there's the tortoise, and then the bird, and then the horse, not to mention the horse. Uh, I don't remember if a bull was in the Chinese Zodiac, though. Maybe. <sighs> yeah, there is a bull in the Chinese Zodiac, actually. There wasn't a, there wasn't a turtle in the, tiny, the Chinese Zodiac, though, was there? Yeah, there was a tortoise, I believe. Wasn't there? No, I don't think so. There's a dragon, but not a tortoise. So Google... Yeah. But I know, I know. In Japanese mythology, there's the four, uh, the four main deities that they uh, they tend to go back to. There's Bayako, the white tiger. Tiger. There is uh, Seiryu, the blue dragon. Suzaku, the red bird, and Genbu, the black, uh, the black tortoise. Hmm. Uh, there so is that... not. Yeah, there's not a tortoise in the uh, in the Chinese zodiac. However, there are some animals in there that aren't. Colossi and their twelve signs, so it's probably a mix. Yeah, because I <laughs> surprising, <laughs> surprisingly, the cock is not uh, present. <laughs> no. Well, the bird. Oh well, yeah, but th- then again, chickens can't fly. Well, technically, the wanderer would be the cock because he's just fucking <laughs> things all over the place. <laughs> if anything, though, I, what I really want to, to mention is the reason why I kind of drew importance on this is only because. Especially between Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, there you know, and uh, my roommate's girlfriend actually pointed out the uh, the similarity to this is there's a real there's a real inspiration towards Mongolian culture, like everything about it seems very Mongolian esque. So I was just wondering if maybe the Colossi may have had it any rooted rooted history amongst that. But you're right, it does sound like it's a hodgepodge of different mythological icons that are kind of thrown together. I mean- the Latin, coupled with some of the creatures, definitely conjures images of Greek mythologies for me. I'm not very familiar with Mongolian history to uh, <laughs> to be any sort of help with that, though. No, I've never even eaten at a Mongolian restaurant, so I can't really help there either. Uh, uh, the, Mo- <laughs> the Mongols are Greek to me. Oh, uh, aren't you? Uh, uh, <laughs> I think, <laughs> if anything, I did want to go ahead and touch on with that. Okay, so we got that that little tangent out of the way the cursed land itself it, it was really like hot and cold with people i personally loved it but there is there is just this one review that just made no sense to me or made me completely like people completely miss a point i don't remember if i mentioned it on the last recording was this a review for a different game where they're talking about the barren world or something yeah pretty much i don't remember which developer did so and i, I think it was one of those off the record conversations 
But essentially, it was a review on No More Heroes and basically drawing point towards how empty and lifeless Santa Destroy really is in terms of what to do and the fact that it's really just a world of traveling in between uh, different uh, levels and assassinations. They said it really drew to the barren wasteland in contrast to Shadow of the Colossus. And that, and that just infuriated me reading that because whoever made that contrast... Essentially, they played Shadow of the Colossus, and when they did, they completely missed the fucking point. Yeah. Th- that land, it's not, it doesn't just serve as a basis of travel in between you and the Colossi. It's, it's an experience of its own, and there's a lot, there's actually, there, there are sites to be held within that land. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, there are a bunch of technicalities to get in on here. Like, it's not barren. There are actually creatures all over the place, and sometimes you can find an oasis with, like, all kinds of animals hanging out like not just lizards but like turtles birds I've even though you can something. only kill the lizards yes well it's kind of like in eco how how if you look at something just right it, it's just you know absolutely breathtaking despite its early age on the ps2 right uh yeah. they really went for a certain visual impact and i think that's one of the most lasting things in shadow of the Colossus. it's just going from place to place and seeing these fantastic worlds that just don't exist in real life and sort of kind of wishing that they did exist so you could maybe plan a vacation there, but not really. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's, it's also like not just are there these amazing vistas to drink in as you're going from point to point, but the environment itself kind of tells a story. Like you've got these massive structures, these temples, these intricate cave systems, you know. Giants, giant spires. Yeah, giant spires. Like, there's all kinds of theories that you can sort of piece together about this world before it became barren of all human life and was called, you know, started to be referred to as cursed. Because, you know, the Colossi didn't build any of these things. No, the Colossi were built for the. uh, Though, there again, there isn't any strong dialogue that cements it. It's generally implicated in, in, in its strong implication. The Colossi were purely constructed for the sake of just imprisoning Dorman. But you know what's funny is I've noticed from all the Colossi and where they're located specifically in the land, they all look like they're constructed from the landmass and the architecture of where they reside. Have you noticed that, that they all bear a a resemblance to Hmm. everything they're from? Yeah, I guess they do, don't they? That is a good point. Yeah, so I really feel like it's a fusion of sorcery involving the land and the actual architecture to create what they are. Because if you think about it, they don't really roam very far from where they're at. And it kind of begs the question, are like, are they stuck to be where they're at? But at the same time, I've noticed a lot of Colossi are generally just chilling, you know, living. They're living creatures. They're, they're usually dwelling in a cave or some sort of aclove, and then they see the wanderer. I'm like... And that's another thing, too. It also begs the question of... Uh, what kind of communication do you think these colossi may have had between each other? Because if you noticed, at least the first four to five colossi, they, well, a sans from the third one, because the third one's like a dick. But like, all <laughs> <laughs> he really is. He's my favorite, though, but he's a dick. He just sees you and he's just like, I'm going to smash you. But all the other ones are pretty docile. I mean, unless they're provoked, they're docile. Once they're provoked, then they're, they're fucking maddening. But my, yeah, my theory would be just based on what you're saying that, you know, it all comes back to the first one. Because that first one, docile, 
but you have to take him out in order to progress. Once you take him out, that's when you start absorbing that, you know, those essences. So my guess would be that the Colossi can tell, you know, that... Yeah, I never thought of it that way, because once you get the certain Colossi, they don't even wait for you to even approach yeah. an attack. They immediately say, fuck you, and they just start throwing they, shit at you. They seem to get more aggressive with more the game goes, and of course the more the game goes, the more essences you've absorbed, and the more wrecked Wander starts to look. You know what? I never looked at it that way. I always thought of it more or less. I related to a line of communication, but that, that does beg the question that, yeah, they do recognize the essences that pretty much fucking arts there's this aura protruding from the wander and it's coming out visually too on like that's another thing too that if you notice and you pay attention to the details on the wander more and more he, he he's not just dirt that's collected but he just bears these markings he looks more and more miserable he's panting even even his uh, still animation he looks like he's dying and yet he still continues the quest and dorman's just completely remorseless he's just like thy next foe <laughs> Well, he's dormant. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. Like, I don't know. There, there's always this question of whether or not he's truly evil. Uh, but, you know, that that's something we can get into within the ending analysis. Uh, but just a physical gameplay alone, I really have to say that the game really speaks highly of itself. Because when we, when we went to the fact that we spoke of uh, the fact that the Colossae never really appear to, to leave their own little areas... And, and granted, this is all really circumstantial gameplay-wise or aesthetic-wise to the context of the plot. Design-wise, in terms of play mechanics, I really love how each level was intricately designed to basically be centered around its given colossus on how yeah. to take it down. I've noticed, like, there's very few colossi to where you don't really rely on the environment, but generally every single colossus afterwards completely requires you to analyze the environment. It provides this whole new just this whole new approach to gameplay, or even then, just there there are certain colossi that completely require you to just depend on aggro to the point where aggro was just there, you know, playing cheerleader on the sidelines. Sometimes aggro was called in, and I just I love the attention that that was done to basically all the colossi. There was actually other than the twelfth one, there was one colossus that I felt was done really lazy, like actually one of my least favorite next to the twelfth one. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, let's let's touch on our, our personal Colossi. Uh, the one that I felt was the laziest one done, I don't know if I can, if you guys would agree, but that would be the Tiger one. Tiger! Uh, the one that was the Flame Guardian that was, oh, he was a bitch just to get to, because I, I just pretty much jumped and fell and luckily landed on that little platform. I don't even know if that's exactly how I'm supposed to get there, but that's how I did it. And, um, Sarah, how far did you watch into the game? Did you watch it being beaten? Uh, no, I didn't watch it all the way through, um, but I felt that the, uh, you know, the two of them, there there was one, there was two, um, and they were kind of like, I'm not sure if they were bulls or not, or if they were based on bulls or something, but I know they, uh, they would charge at the Wanderer, and uh, they, they would knock you off of a ledge every now and again, and it would take, a, you know, a billion years to get back up the mountain to fight them again. Uh, I felt that was kind of like a little lazy because they were so small and seemingly not so intricate. You know, that's one of the ones they, I'm talking about. That, then that they had, had to have two of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then okay, so that's the thing though. I love the second one. So, but okay, so yeah, you actually the did one watch was like that game of cat and mouse as you're running around the environment, it's like knocking stuff over. 
Right. Whereas, the, honestly, this was the first one. The first one was pretty cryptic, but other than the fact that you had to pay attention to the word flame, flame kept being used. There are these torches, and they're not... There, there are these torches upon these stone structures, and it's not clear at all that you can even climb on these stone structures. It's pretty much, like, go around and fuck with it to see if you could climb on these uh, structures. And it just turns out that you can, and then very... The one thing that I will say, it's it's almost like a, a, a unique little homage to the, you know, this, the previous game within the series. You find this fucking wood... That you can light with a torch, and it's very eco, especially the fact that yeah. where you would hold O to, or O, goddammit, where you would hold circle to uh, go ahead and shine the light, which, you know, takes place with, that's that's the main mechanic of finding Colossi within the game. You use it to light the torches, very reminiscent of eco. And this fucking creature was afraid of the torch, and you essentially had to push him off the ledge to where he fell on his back and broke the armor that was covering his vital spot. That whole thing felt really lazy. It's somewhat ingenious, but like I felt like there could have been done something completely better. As Sarah mentioned, yeah, the fact that they were so small, they weren't even really colossi. They were they were they were colossesque. They colossesque. Were, <laughs> mini they, I mean, they were small proportionally speaking, but I mean, let's face it, this is like a a giant stone tiger that's Sonic the size Boom. of a freaking Humvee. <laughs> you know, I'd be pretty intimidated if I were squaring off against it myself. Would you be in, I don't know, my intimidation was slightly drawn more to a close after fighting the giants that I did, but I will say that the irony and the fact that they're much more, they're, they're much more damage dealing than their giant cousins. Like yeah, those fuckers just faster. like, they're, they're faster and they rampage directly after you. Yeah, they're not just poking you with a really big stick. Oh god. Oh, yeah, um, I mean, some of the big colossi, even the later ones, actually ignore you. Like the, uh, the thirteenth one in the desert, the flying serpent. That one doesn't actually attack you at all. Yeah, that one. If anything, well, technically it does when it starts diving into the sand. That's more of a defense is, tactic, though. It's not. Isn't really... that uh, at that point? That's when you jump onto its back, right? Well, no, no. What it is, like, and that one's actually probably one of the most epic ones, and it took me a while to really figure it out. But um, that one requires you to it requires constant use of aggro just like the uh the the fish in the sand one or the serpent in the sand to where you have to ride aggro and essentially while riding aggro aim your arrows at these air sac bubbles once popping right, them with yeah. the arrow uh basically they slowly start like descending to the ground until the point where uh you popped all of them and then its fins are uh basically cutting through the sand as they're pointed downward and you see these ledges, and then you gotta pull a fucking Indiana Jones and ride alongside <laughs> these fins on aggro and make this jump, and that's the coolest slash most frustrating part of this fucking thing. But, um, it's definitely one of my favorite, like, I still had fun fighting the damn thing, it's just, the one thing I really hated about it, is it, it, it I felt like Pepe was in the background somehow going, do a barrel roll! And I just, <laughs> I, like, had to fucking really watch when I had the grip on the damn fur. So, I don't know. It, the, the, the first flying colossus, a hawk, was also similar to that. Where it wouldn't even do one. full barrel rolls, though. It would just turn to the left and then turn to the right and just frustrate the fuck out of you. Hate that damn thing. <laughs> it would do full barrel rolls. Yeah, sometimes, Not but often. mostly it was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna turn to the left. I'm gonna turn to the right." I do like. I don't know. I do like 
the environment, though. I like the fact that you're surrounded generally, basically by this giant, like, body of water. I kind of want to go ahead and go into the, uh, real quick before we start talking about individual colossi and our experiences fighting them. And again, Sarah, you have, you have not played this game at all. You haven't even touched a button while this game was going on. Alas, no. You didn't even jump, your friend didn't say, like, fuck this, and you didn't say, get, let me give it a try? Nope. <laughs> all right, I'm going to have to ask. I'm going to have to ask which one is more memorable with you then. I like this right. perspective, though. Yeah? I, yeah, just know that, like, we're probably going to ruin the entire game for you, but you should still play it. Oh, yeah, I'm probably going to, you know, once I get around to it. Well, yeah. <laughs> probably going to. Probably going <laughs> to. Probably going to. Anyway, so th- the main mechanics for the Wander uh, before you get the items, which I think that's probably the worst flaw of this game next to the camera angles were the item implementations. The item implementations were extremely cryptic and just kind of dumb. And the fact that essentially like you can make your best use out of them through a second playthrough. I don't know about you, but I don't see myself going through another playthrough of this game. Not for a while, at least. So, I, I don't know. I felt like it could have been done much better. And you essentially get these items from time attack modes. I mean, and then, I mean, a lot of the items do have uh, a significance, except for there's this one item, I believe it's the cloak of disappearance or cloak of something, cloak of visibility. But it essentially makes a wanderer invisible, which is stupid. It, it really is, because it, they, there's not even a, a benefit of being invisible to the Colossi. You're supposed to, like, the game encourages you to get the Colossi's attention. Like, that, getting their attention helps you lure them into situations where you can climb on them. So, again, that, that's probably the most worthless item. But there are other ones. I think my favorite's the, the whistling arrow. And then there are the, the detection items. And it's a little known fact that they're, they're, I, re- I forgot the name you use for them, Rob. I just call them white lizard tails, or white, white-tailed lizards. But there's an official name for them, apparently? I don't know. But you called them That's... shining something. I think I just called them, like, silver-tailed lizards or something. I don't know. Silver I don't know if it's their official name. Tail. That's just how I refer to them. Anyway, these fucking lizards, with killing them, they leave behind their tail, and by taking their tail, you strengthen your grip meter, as well as their fruit. And it's not, like, a particular fruit. I think it's just any fruit in general. Yeah, anything uh, hanging from a tree. Anything hanging from a tree, you know, if you shoot it down with your arrow and eat it, it strengthens your uh, your HP meter. And, like, you already get subtle upgrades to begin with Ujith Colossus Death anyway, but these add, like, dangerously add to it, to the point where, like, you can get a health bar going all the way to the other end of the screen, and, like, a pink circle that takes up at least a quarter of the fucking corner of your screen as well. Overall, the fact that this is kind of thrown in and kind of encourages you more to to explore the world. And and then not only that, like I said, people talk about how open and how desolate this world is. The map screen is on on the pause screen. There's a grid map to it. So there's a there's enough organization to really navigate, especially after you save at a save temple. You know, you see the save temple reside on the map. So then you can reference save temples for your own personal use. And also, I love the, uh, there is a pattern in the fact that the, there are always lizards at these temples. In fact, there's even a lizard in the a Shrine of Worship. So, like, the moment you start looking up to where Dorman usually pans to in the camera is where you can shoot down the lizard. I was just going to say, they also hide the silver-tailed lizards, or whatever you want to call them, like, not around safe points either. Like, I've gone to some 
random ruins just in a far corner of the map that had nothing to do with the Colossus and walked around. It's like, oh crap, a lizard. Like not, not a regular everything one. you're doing. But like one of the one of the ones that you can, you know, kill it and eat its tail. Well, yeah, they hide I, them all over the place. Yeah, they do. It's they're not just at save points. I remember in the forest especially, there's this one alkalope to where not only is there this lizard, but there's this fucking tree with fruit dangling from it and the fruit of course had to fall off the cliff so i had to jump like an asshole and break my legs <laughs> but uh <laughs> no I'm, i he just he just lands you know he broke something but it's it's cool it's uh, cool he's gonna eat the fruit he'll be fine yeah he'll be fine but i mean there there are other points of uh mystery as well and then like to kind of add to the items there's a there's a whole different set of items that you can actually acquire through hard time attacks so mm-hmm. one of them is allowing the uh wanderer to parachute which kind of creates this like open exploration and like people have found like j- j- it, it's just surprising if you YouTube just like all these different runs through the the cursed land like how many things that you could tell weren't meant to be discovered but were still left in the overall build of the game kind of like a hot coffee sort of uh, ideal to where you see these temples and you see these depictions and what's funny is there's this mural that kind of depicts all the colossi idols and. I think this is what kind of started the whole standard for the supposed 17th Colossus. But uh, it's been confirmed. There's no 17th Colossus at all. There's never going to be one. You know, it, 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 it would be nice that with this reimagining this collection that uh, they did for the PlayStation 3, they have the opportunity to maybe, you know, release it via downloadable content, but it doesn't look like the, the collection's even equipped to receive downloadable content. Yeah. So that's, that's, I don't know, that's kind of a shame, but I'm just surprised that the collection took as long as it did just to be redefined. But especially with Shadow Colossus, there is a large land and like fucking giant amounts of detail to really account for. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of want to jump into favorite Colossi in general to fight. With you, what was your favorite to watch? Uh, my favorite to watch was probably the one that you were just describing there with the uh, the giant winged serpent in the desert. There, yeah, that okay. one was pretty fun. It just that was it, awesome. That one I couldn't <laughs> help but imagine. That one was just like Rayquaza. Yeah, that's all I, know, I, kept, right? that's all I kept thinking. And it's just it, it went on forever, you know. So it was it wasn't just you know uh, your standard boss fight or anything like that. It took a good long time to figure out and actually take down. And, you know, that's always been like a lasting memory for me. Uh, that one is one of my favorite. I don't know. I have I have a couple, but one that nobody mentions, and it's always so funny to me, is uh, the one where you're within that that dune and it's the it's the the sand swimming colossi mm, and yeah. you essentially have to basically have it chase you on aggro 
And then you see its eye shoot an arrow into its eyes and then lure it blindly into a wall where it crashes and then fucking stab the shit out of it afterwards. That, that reminds seems, me of Tremors, yeah? Yeah, it just, <laughs> it seems so clever. It, it was so, the grappling costs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It, it was so deceptive and overall endearing, but really cruel. You know, just, I don't know, just seeing this thing, like, because even when you're on top of it, before you even start stabbing it, it was just fucking writhing in pain at the fact that you cut off its vision and it ran into a wall. Like, to the point where it barely put up a struggle when you started stabbing it because it was already so disoriented and fucked up from running into a wall. <laughs> so, I don't know. But uh, I think the third one, the most visceral one, is the third one, the, the, the knight, Gaius. He's overall will always be my favorite Colossus. Especially the fact that he, he just seems so confident and so vain in his efforts to get you in the fact... Like, in, it's funny, because none of the Colossi I speak... If anything, the only thing that you can really see that determines their emotions, which is something that I really enjoyed, is it's a it's a pattern throughout all of them, is the change of the colors in their eyes to the point where blue yeah. suggests this docile approach to like this change from orange to red to where like I'm going to end your fucking miserable little life, you <laughs> piece of shit. And and you see just this knight just coming at you with this sword or a club or this long thing, whatever it is. And just coming at you and swinging it at you, just so confident in its efforts. And the moment you learn to swing into that metallic plate and just watch its fucking shoulder dislocate and all of its armor just come off, like, literally, like, its arm just come apart and just fuck to the point where it's swinging it around like a fucking bl- an arm without any blood falling asleep. Just, oh, dude, it's so, it, it's so satisfying. Just climbing up that thing and then ending its life as you fucking push your sword deep within its abdomen like the piece of shit that it is. Like, ah, uh, that that's the one thing. Like, you never really know if the Colossi are truly evil, if they deserve the death that you bring them, but some of them do. <laughs> really, just because you get so angry at them. Like, some of Especially them really... Especially the mouse Colossus, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, that one, that, the, the, the night one, that one, like, there are certain ones that were really violent in nature, though, but that one just seemed so full of itself, really, just really self-aware of its stature in comparison to you, and just the, you know, the satisfaction of bringing it down and going, now what, son? Now what? <laughs> and just start beating on your chest? Like, I don't know, that's a sensation I got. What about you, Rob? What was your favorite one of all time to bring down? Uh, that is a hard choice. So I've never really picked a favorite. It's always been between the You're fifth gonna one. You're gonna now. <laughs> well, it's always been between the fifth one, the bird, and um, the thirteenth one, the flying serpent in the desert. Because I just have a lot of fun bringing both of those down. Mostly, like, you know, they both have their irritants, like jumping on the fins for the thirteenth one and having to like not being able to take it down in one go no matter what you do because it will dive under the sand before you can take out all three of its weak spots no matter what so you have to go you know it's funny you can still you can still stab the the next one a couple times you won't be able to take it out but no i know i'm just saying you can't do it all in one run you you have to fall off and then shoot it down again and the bird is definitely difficult to stab the, the weak points on the wings because it's like, you know, it's right on the wingtip, so whenever it flaps, it's just like, oh god, you're not stabbing shit. Yeah, and it, that's another thing, too. Did you ever get that trophy for uh, remaining on the bird for 30 seconds? I still don't know how to get that fucking thing. Yes, it's um, it's not the Colossus. It's an actual bird. 
you can jump and if you time it right, you can actually grab and hold on to the hawks that fly by. And You're like, kidding. I am not kidding. That's, uh, yeah, that's the achievement. <laughs> that's pretty that's badass. Right. <laughs> that's fucking disgusting. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Wander, the hawk wrangler. That's how I got it. Wicked. Well, then what's the fish one? The fish one? Yeah, there's another one that says hang on to a fish for 30 seconds. Shark Wrangler. Actually, there are there are fish in some of the bodies of water. There are fish. I imagine it's a similar thing. That That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I'm, I'm so angry at the fact that that trophy is so vague. I didn't think... Who, who fucking thinks of grabbing onto a bird and just hanging onto it? Especially when they run... Five feet away from the fact that you can, before you can even approach them, do you shoot one down and then hold it in your hand for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> the um, the hawks actually have flight patterns, and there are certain areas. Like the one I did, it was by um, there's this you know where the I forget which number he is, but he's the the bearded one. Five. Um, yeah, no, it's not five. The bird or is five. Six. Okay. Well, so six then. You know how um, there's that. Like this, basically a ruin in a cave that you have to walk into and climb through before you reach him. Yeah. Um, there is a save point that's almost straight across from that entrance. Yeah, and there's three lizards at that save point, too. Oh. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> that save point is overlooking this cliff that you can look straight out and see the entrance. And the hawks circle around there and there's one particular hawk that circles close enough that if you wait for it and time it right it'll fly straight by and you can just jump into the air grab it and ride it around wait the thing actually carries you yeah jesus christ (laughs) that's fuck that i don't know why i find that so bothersome (laughs) i'm gonna have to do that now i'm fucking mad um but anyway (sighs) uh favorite colossi um I don't know. I mean, it really is just a toss up between five and 13 for me. So because 13 was already mentioned, I'm just going to go with five because I mean, you know, again, I admit the bird can be annoying, but there's just this incredible sense of speed and movement and flight when you're on it. And when you're, you know, when you jump onto its wing for the first time and it's moving so fast, you can't even move. You're just being pressed down against its wings because of just the rush of air and the way like all these particles and stuff are whizzing by your head as your wanderers, you know, whatever he's wearing, his poncho like billowing behind him and stuff. It's just this amazing sense of flight to the whole experience. I I couldn't agree more. I honestly didn't mind fighting that one. I mean there I think it was really shitty when you knew that once you got on its wings it was like it was either die time or go time because you had to fall off that thing at least once there's i don't think anybody could ever really kill it in one go uh (laughs) unfortunately i don't have any proof of this but i did do it on the playstation 2 version um i managed to do time attack mode where i think you have five minutes to take it down for a gold medal or whatever it is and i did it i got onto one of the wings took it out and then i had to take out like the tail so, like, you know, I did the wing first, get the hard part out of the way, and I was starting to lose grip. So I actually managed to miraculously let go, fly off, and then grab back on to the tail portion 
of the Colossus without actually falling off. And once I was on the tail, it was pretty easy to get my uh, grip strength back up. You fucking daredevil. <laughs> God damn. Well, I figured uh, I was falling off either way. Good point. Okay, before we touch into the ending, uh, least favorite Colossus. I think I already oh. mentioned that. 12. <laughs> that thing's just, such a piece of shit. It's just such an annoying and dull fight. Yeah, and then not only that, it, it's constantly barraging you with near unavoidable yeah. electrical attacks. Like, even, I've noticed even when you it's hide just... behind those stone, the, those stone risings, it'll still, it'll actually raise its head and just still get you. And it's also something where, like, all of the other colossi are at least vaguely recognizable as, like, either some sort of animal, possibly a mythological creature in the sense of the flying serpent or, like, humanoid. But this one, I don't know what the hell this thing is. Yeah, I know. It, 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 it's, it's like, like the lump. It's like the platypus of the Colossi. It's just it's fucking <laughs> Dorman's joke on Colossi. It's the one that all the other Colossi laugh at. I, I, for good reason. I don't even know what... what You don't even see it's under half. And then, I don't know. There, I do appreciate the fact that there are different ways to fight it, though. Like, for me... I think there are two ways, I guess, where people like had it lift up its legs, like after shooting boundless arrows, and then jumping onto its face, and then having to hit fucking rocks with tones that would steer it to a higher platform, and then rinse repeat, except jump onto its fucking barren chest with the vital spot. I just mm. swam around its back and climbed on its back. That's like, what I did too. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck this, dude!" I keep getting shot at, and like, it's a dick. It'll even shoot at the water and electrocute the water. Fuck that thing. What was your least favorite, sir? Uh, mine was the uh, that pair of them that were really tiny. Oh God! For lack of a better ex- uh, for lack of a better uh, uh, description, I like the second one though. The game of cat and mouse to the point where you the fact when the structure falls on top of it and then you see its armor collapse and it, it exposed that you just fucking fucking bronco ride that goddamn thing <laughs> and, like. That alone's pretty legit. Just just going at it and then stabbing at it while clinging on the life. Yeah, it was think... still kind of um, underwhelming in terms of scale, though. Yeah, true. Like it's kind of unfair to call it a colossus. Uh, yeah. I think. Hello. It's... You can go ahead. No, no, go, go, Rob. Apparently, I'm. <laughs> Please, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> no, um, I was just gonna say. Uh, I suppose it's kind of unfair to pick on the twelfth colossus. So I was gonna mention my second least favorite and uh if that's all right no that's all right so technically my least favorite because everyone hates 12 it would probably be that i forget which number it is but it's the one that's like some kind of fucking gecko inside of a coliseum i love that one. Oh, i hate that one it's well i don't hate it i just dislike it i don't really find the fight all that interesting and i hate having to you know injure it halfway and then climb back up all those stairs so I can lure it out and knock it over again. And it just seemed like needlessly complicated and it wasn't very compelling to me. No, I, I got you, dude. Um, and the area of effect of his blasts is obnoxious. It is obnoxious to the point where like it, it, the cloud doesn't just linger. It travels because it's, yeah. it's, it's this electrical cloud that shocks and like literally drains your health continuously it's, it's the only colossus that's actually killed me because i was trying to shoot arrows at it and didn't realize i was still being hurt by its electric spit cloud 
Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's the fucking lightning loogie. That's what I like to call it. <laughs> lightning loogie. Um, the last Colossus and the twelfth one are the only ones that have killed me. But that last one's kind of a dick until you get to it. Then he's a pushover. Um, <laughs> yeah, he will destroy you <laughs> if you're not careful on the way. But once you get there, yeah, he's he's kind of a pushover. Although I did enjoy how it was actually sort of a puzzle to get to his weak spot. Like, all the other Colossi, it was kind of like, you know, how do you expose the weak spot? But then it's just kind of like, okay, jump and stab. Here it was like, you knew where the weak spot was, but there were so many different obstacles in your way that like you couldn't just climb straight up. You had to figure out, okay, I've got to stab him here, and then he'll reach back, and then I jump on his hand, and then he'll move his hand up, and then I move here. Yeah, and I've learned the trick, too, that with his hands, the way he likes to just, like, toy with you and move him back and forth. You stab his hands, he's just like, ow! And he just keeps <laughs> him still. So, It's handy. Yeah. If you, if you ever find yourself playing through the game again, just stab his hands. He'll keep him still. Be like, all right, stop it. I just pictured that's the kind of voice he would have. Anyway. <laughs> he does uh, wear a skirt. Yeah, he does. He, and he does... Oh, dude, it's funny. You know what? Uh, before we go and touch into the ending, what really embottomizes the fact that these things are living creatures, if you ever travel back to the spot and where you found them, you'll find their, like, their, their corpse that's either mildewing with the land or decomposing in the land like a corpse. You know, you can uh, drop their bodies and uh, fight them again, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you pray at the corpse, then it'll ask you if you want to relive the memory or something like that, and then you'll fight the Colossus again with, like, this old-school sepia-toned film grain over the screen. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. So, see, you, you learned something new. <laughs> also, one other thing I wanted to mention real quick, just because I totally forgot to, on the subject of the 16th Colossus, I thought it was cool how when you're perched on the thing's head, if you angle the camera right, and you're, like, looking out over the landscape, you can actually see 15 other points of light that mark where the other 15 colossi fell. Yeah, I did notice that. And like, I that's that was cool. yeah, I, I did notice like there was one thing it, it was never really, um, never really apparent whether or not, cause you never really saw too much of the sun. There was, there was a, a ultimate source of light, but I could never just like look up in the sky and say, Oh, there's the sun. Yet there yeah. was always a light source there. I never really understood if that was truly dormant. So I think without further ado, just so that way we can go ahead and get to the uh, the wrap up of this games club, let's go ahead and take a look at the uh, at the ending. The ending is pretty bittersweet, to say oh, yeah. the least. I mean, damn horse. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we kind of we kind of skipped out on that part. And again, Sarah, you you've watched enough to where you've watched to the fourteenth Colossus. Did you see anything past the second small one? 
No. Okay. So really, you you missed out on the last two. On on the way to the the last one, Malice, the the towering fucking sorcerer one. Uh, you have to run alongside a collapsing bridge, and if you try to do it without aggro, you'll fall. Believe me, I've fucking done it. <laughs> it sucks because I I generally don't like taking that horse with me everywhere. It's annoying, especially when he's just like aggro, aggro. Once you go ahead and you run across that uh bridge, it's obvious that at one point, right before the bridge is about to collapse, Agro doesn't feel confident that you'll both be able to go across it. So what he does is he flings you across, and he pretty much falls into the ravine and dies, essentially. And you just see the Wanderer just screaming out in pain, Agro! But, uh... And it's pretty much it. And then the Wanderer's, like, the, the look on the Wanderer's face, I think, was animated so beautifully to where he he had the sensation where he had the press on. He has to finish what he started. Uh, that's where you move on to the last Colossus. You do your thing. We've already talked about that. But in the middle, and there are certain scenes, too. I don't think we really touch on the cutscenes. With each Colossus, there are certain scenes that you see in the spiral. And one of them is where you hear Mono's voice. And you know it's Mono's voice because you see images of her and she's singing. Now, it's never really clearly given on whether or not she's singing directly to the Wanderer, if there's a, a memory of them together. But it goes back to the Wanderer as he's laying on the floor of the Shrine of, the, of, Shrine of Worship, and, he, and he's reminiscing of Mono. So again, it kind of leads up to this, this open approach to it. But essentially, near the last couple Colossi, you see Emon, which again, you, you find out his name from the credits. And uh, the other soldiers and troops from the same village, and they're steadily approaching the, the, the uh, Shrine of Worship, and they, they must gallop really fucking... Like, that's the one thing that always boggled my mind. Like, it takes them two Colossi deaths to finally reach the Shrine, but when they escape, when they escape, they're like, oh, we're, we, we peace out, and they're able to escape a collapsing bridge. So well, that always, like, always kind of messed with me. Well, I mean, when they, the thing is, though, when they're saying, like, we're almost there, it's like what they're looking at isn't the temple, it's the gates leading to that bridge. And they still have a decent amount of land between them. Oh, okay. I thought they were at the, the, the footing of the bridge. Okay. No, they still have, like, a pretty decent chunk of countryside to go through, it looked like. Okay. It's like you but... could see it off in the distance, so they knew they were close, but it was still a ways off. So, like I said, I kind of painted some theories that we'll get across, but just to summarize the ending, and we're going to go over the endings there, so, you know, kind of like get over it and stuff, I guess. <laughs> Do it up. Do it up. All right, so, once, you, once you're once uh, you teleported back to the temple, Emon and his, uh, his little troop of soldiers, they're... There, right when the the last shrine is destroyed, but there's no activity really done yet, uh, which kind of bears the fact that the essence isn't exactly there. There, it's it feels like there's two seals. There's one on Dorman just to keep him in the shrine, and there's others that have split him apart into sixteen different entities. And uh, basically, you know, as you're teleported back, like every other Colossi battle, you see the Wanderer, who's pretty much He's dead, or he appears to be dead, and Emon's just chastising him the whole time. He's like, it was you. He recognizes the Wanderer, and he chastises him for stealing the sword. But you know what's funny is he doesn't recognize the girl, or does it, does it, does it imply that he recognizes Mono? 
I don't remember that. He never actually says anything, but it's it's one of those things where he seems more concerned with the state of things and less about either the Wanderer or Mono. Oh yeah, like there is a moment where he like kind of notices her on the altar and starts to like put a hand out to touch her, and that's when Wanderer kind of pops back in, and so he turns around before. Yeah. Yeah, and did you notice that her eyelashes were moving while this was going on? Like I noticed she she was like no. there was some yeah there was some life going into her, um, but Wanderer shows up and pretty much. He can't speak, he doesn't look alive at all, but yet there is some, there's one last, like, sliver of consciousness in him, because he's reaching out to Mono. Mm-hmm. And as he's slowly walking towards Iman again, chastises him, pretty much gives the order to fucking take him out, kill him. And, you know, at first, they're, they're just, oh man, like, it makes me feel, like, I have no sympathy, I like, it kind of makes me feel for Dorman and the Wanderer. Like, Iman just seems so cruel and calculating. Like, they don't just take him out. They, like, slowly take him out. Like, they shoot a fucking crossbow bolt into his kneecap. His fucking yeah. kneecap. And then, like, <laughs> he just falls and drags himself continually towards the fucking altar. And then the soldier just stands in front of him, like, mocking him almost, before he just lifts this sword. And he's just, like, you know, he's just gauging what kind of reaction the Wanderer will get out of him. And like, I don't think this guy understands. Like, dude, I just killed 16 mm-hmm. giants. Like, you, lunt, like, leering this sword over me isn't going to fucking frighten me one bit. I don't know. I, I got more of the impression, based on the body language, that the soldier was almost hesitant. I don't know. I felt like the soldier was mocking him. Because, you know, there wasn't even, like, a like a noise or anything at all. Like, ugh, or something <laughs> at all that just, like, sort of suggested hesitance. More like torture porn almost but like methodical i'm not kidding like methodical slow torture of just like making sure that the wanderer knew what his place was before his time and the fact that it was just i don't know i mean i definitely think that what's his name the iman yeah iman he's definitely a dick yeah the other guy the other soldiers i don't know i mean like they definitely seemed scared by everything that was going on, but the guy with the sword, he just struck me as more like it wasn't like like he was sort of stopping more because, you know, it's like the wanderer is in a really pathetic state. I don't know, that that moment you get the view from his eyes kinda makes me think he's like he's stopping to really think, like, you know, does he really deserve this at this point? Yeah. But again, speculation. <laughs> That's true. I mean I Yeah, really, but anyway, fucking sword punctures through, bam, and then just releases this essence, and then Dorman finally makes his appearance and says he's been carrying, he's been using the Wanderer as a vessel. But it doesn't, he, he never says that he stole or that he planned on. He There's a key word. He borrows. And that's all he does. He borrows, which means he doesn't plan on, like, I really, at the end of this game and replaying it a second time, is a, I don't know why I thought so strongly the first time on the PlayStation 2, on the second time, I really question whether or not Dorman was evil, but more or less just this entity that was, I mean, his appearance, like, definitely suggests, oh yeah, evil, he's a big dark shadow, like, shit's up, he's a fucking dark shadow creature, like, who wants that thing around? But he never really did anything that appeared to be maleficent, at least that I know of, and there's no backstory to really support anything suggestively maleficent, just more or less a, 
a contrast of interest. I think the one thing that nobody really realized, and there's a, a, a key connection between especially Eco are the horns. Now, oh, yeah, the horns it's got that are, the exact same kind of horns as Eco. Yeah, he's, there's horns that grow on the Wanderer's like, head. Now, horns are actually a side of uh, or a sign of godliness. They're, they're signs of a deity, and I forget which culture. But I remember reading up on it. Even though the Wanderer looked completely fucking pathetic and pitiful to, like, you know, normal human eyes or standards, he could have just, you know, been shedding his, his corporeal shell, if you will, his corpse, which, of course, is going to be worse to wear because that thing's not equipped to handle godlike strength and powers. And then pretty much once you cut that shell, you release Dorman. Now, there's always been speculation on an alternative ending, and the game doesn't really help much on the fact that it's really open to it, on whether or not, if anything would change, whether or not you'd be able to actually kill or, like, defeat Iman and the soldiers as they retreat back towards the back entrance of the shrine. But, I don't know, I was never actually found myself able to hurt any of them. And even though, like, they kept shooting arrows at me, like, I, I don't know. I didn't feel like I could die, even if I, like, lowered my health purposely. There, there's a lot of speculation on the internet, but there's been confirmed mm-hmm. there's no alternate ending. The game will always end the same, no matter what I've, you do. I've tried, like, not this time, but back in the PS2 time, I tried so hard to beat the crap out of those guys, and not a single one of them actually stayed down. All you do is slow them down. Like, you'll hammer on them with your fists, they'll go flying, then they'll get back up. I kept missing them. I couldn't even get them. I just wanted to hit that old piece of shit once. I didn't like them from the get <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Essentially, what happens from here, and I feel it's so funny. I feel like it's story time for Sarah. Um, essentially, what happens from here is is the moment they reach that pool, or they climb up, it, it, it goes to a scene to where they're able to climb up the tower really fast. And I think that's kind of a bullshit move, too. But essentially, um, Iman has the sword. And what's funny is the sword is completely black. So I feel like there's a scent, there's like something of Dorman's essence left, but he drops it into the pool and he sucks you in. And no matter what, there's no way you can escape that vacuum. There's actually a trophy to where you can try to outlast it for a minute. I couldn't fucking do it. Apparently I there's like it. these <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> there's just these hops and skips that you do and rolls, but I couldn't do it. And well, I don't you know, know you can press the grab button to grab and hold on to the steps, right? I tried to do that. <laughs> yeah, you just hold it until I grab the steps and you just kind of hang there with him flapping in the breeze. Crap, I tried to do that. I tried to do that. Oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. I, just, I hate missing out on trophies. The Hawk one is still despicable, though. Fuck that bird <laughs> one. God damn it. What a fucking miserable trophy. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, you end up getting sucked into the vortex, and then again, Emon like feels like he he has a self imposed self righteousness of what he did. Because I again, I don't understand what's so evil. It's just it's so vague and it's so oh man, there's a word. It's not cryptic. It's just you know, it's so ambiguous. It's just so ambiguous. And what exactly so wrong? And it kind of I kind of brought up like a contra- a comparison to like maybe religion. And I know people are going to really, and, and please, I mean this in the utmost respect of what I'm about to say, but religion has motivated people to say and do things stupidly. And it, it, in the same vein, it, like a fight over a woman or a fight over a nation. There are just certain acts, and I feel like 
you know, especially between the, a lot of religious terms used like prayer, worship, holy, cursed, that there's a strong emphasis of religion involved. And I really feel like this was a, a dispute of religious deities. I really feel like Emon and his village, which the Wanderer belonged to, they they practice a new religion. While Dorman, who spoke the fact that he's been sealed away for eternity, you know, it could be belong to an old religion that they tried to branch away from. Now, there, th- we can go into a, a fucking a whole different meta argument of like what could have possessed in the branch away, but that's like the best argument that I've got. <laughs> in which, in this point, then kind of questions what leads up to, and this is what makes me think as to why Dorman isn't evil kept his bargain how many how many fucking villains keep their bargains please name one i'll take your silence is the fact that you can't do it <laughs> i thought i was gonna be clever and come up with one but yeah no <laughs> having trouble with that what about you sarah do, are, do you do you find any noble villains in canada uh, <laughs> i'm surprised there's I, I don't count the prime minister but uh... <laughs> oh man <laughs> All right, I'm going down for treason. Oh God! Anyway, you could the could you? Canadian yeah. army's going to be banging down your door, all one guy. It'll be my <laughs> brother. Oh God! <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, but he keeps his bargain. Mono is brought back to life, and surprisingly, the fucking horse just comes out of nowhere with a broken leg. I don't know about you, but the moment a horse breaks its leg, it's fucking glue. Like, <laughs> yeah. I I don't I've I've never seen a horse recover from a broken leg. He may uh, not recover. There was so there was a joke that had something to do with horses and mice. I forget what it is though. I don't know. Like you don't <laughs> kill a horse, you destroy a horse. Like that, that that's the equivalent. Like you gotta just fucking that thing needs to go down. And well, like let's I, face it, Mona wasn't exactly in the place to in a place to euthanize Agro either. I mean, she didn't have anything to. What's she gonna do? Push him off the tower? <laughs> Yeah. Horse. <laughs> but that's the thing, too, that I wanted to get back to where you said there wasn't any evidence that pointed to the contrary of whether or not there was a consensual relationship mm-hmm. between Wander and uh, Mono. Notice the lack of recognition between Agro and and Mono. You think that if there was lovers, if they were lovers, that there'd be this sense of excitement. Now, whether or not this could be argued with their disorientation of being brought back by, from the dead can be arguable, but you think that like at some point she, you know, seeing because Agro seems so fucking loyal to the Wanderer, you'd think that they'd be inseparable. I'm gonna mm-hmm. go to the fact that they're inseparable. So seeing seeing your lover's horse would point you to think like, where is my lover? I I have an interesting thought on that though. It just popped into my head. Um, she came back to life, but who's to say for certain that it was her? Oh God, we're really getting into the meta. I'm I'm just saying, you know, I mean, Dorman borrowed. Wander's body. Well, you know, there was a meta saying, theory. You said yourself that he didn't seem like himself at the end. He was like fully, like there wasn't really much of him left in there. Maybe, you know, maybe Mono was brought back to life, but it wasn't actually Mono in there. Well, th- there is that, there is that argument. Uh, another person actually, you know, it's funny, and I think this is too direct, but somebody figured that Mono was uh, possessed by Dorman, just like you were saying, but she went on to become the queen in Eco. Which I, you know, could be a possibility, but again, there didn't seem anything maleficent behind it. And all that, the queen 
was dying or was implying that she was dying. Wait, well, oh, God damn it, Bob. The queen and Eco probably also could have been one of many queens throughout the centuries. Yeah, exactly. And there may have been other Yordas, in a manner of speaking. Well, one thing I thought was interesting, which I, when I beat it last night, I was just like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast. Is <laughs> something that Iman said as he was, you know, as the bridge was crumbling and, you know, the entire, that whole area was getting sealed off for good. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of talking back at the Wanderer, saying, you know, something along the lines of, if any part of you is still alive, then I hope one day you can atone for what you've done, which almost comes back to what you were saying last time about Eco almost like, you know, bringing an end to this curse by saving Yorda. And doing so with his life. And who's not to say there hasn't been a line of horned boys because they have mentioned other boys before that have been horned and that they've sacrificed. And Eco was the final, like, link. Yeah. And the Wanderer reincarnated himself into that boy. And there is a sign. And the fact that you were touched by a deity is the sign of those horns. Yet, you know, time can pollute what exactly is recognized as holy. There's a lot of religious owner undertones in this game that, you know, you think would bother a lot of people, especially myself, in regards to how I feel toward that sort of thing. But I don't know. It's done so well. And it's it's done beautifully. Oh, yeah. And essentially, you just go up into the, the shrine into where the, it ends ambiguously on what happens exactly to Mono and, you know, how she raises that baby. But she's the catalyst for Eco. There's no doubt about it. Eco it, does not translate as a prequel to Shadow of the Colossus by any means. Yeah, no, I mean, like, the, the horns on Dorman are an exact match to the kind of horns that Eco had. A couple of the other Colossi had similar horns. And then... Wander had horns that had just started to grow when he came back, and then that reincarnated baby had horns. It's like, you know, it's everything points to this is where it started. Right, but Emon did mention, and that's another thing too, because there's an argument towards the seal. He always mentioned that he sealed off the land from anybody entering it, but he never mentioned anything about somebody leaving it. So there's there's that possibility as well. And you know what's funny is that so reaching the top of that shrine, from what I've been told, has fruit on the trees as well. But if you eat that fruit, it actually lowers your stats. And I think that's hmm. really ironic, especially within the euphoric area that you're in as far as the calming sensation of the garden. It, it's very strange to me. But overall, I think Shadow of the Colossus is one of those rare examples to where even though it was a game that has frustrated me to the point where like I didn't know if I was having fun sometimes just because I was frustrated. I, I will say that beyond all of it, I was still compelled to finish it. I, I will say, though, I didn't have the same compelling like absorption as I did with Eco. Shadow of the Colossus felt more like something that I just wanted to finish for the sake of getting finished. But maybe if I played again under a different mindset, there is an appreciation for the game that goes beyond anything else. It really is, regardless of what sort of interpretation you draw from it, there is love. The Wanderer would, no one in their right mind would do what the Wanderer did had not love been involved. With that said, what's everybody's, uh, what's everybody's attitude towards it all? Sarah, we're going to start with you. Uh, well, I mean, in terms of the overall presentation, I mean, there, there really isn't anything else out there like it. And I think because of its uniqueness, it's something that really shouldn't be missed. And I'm kind of ashamed that I have. So I'll make it a point to play it as soon as possible, I think. 
just to make sure that I've got everything, uh, you know, under my belt and that I have a firm understanding of what's going on. Yeah. Beyond what was uh, discussed here. There you go. What about you, Rob? Um, well, as yeah, I, um, for me, my general experience with both eco and shadow of the Colossus is kind of switched from what everyone else has been saying. Like eco still, a you know, a very atmospheric, very cool game in its own right. But for me, I actually get more emotion out of shadow of the Colossus. Like a lot of people, they'll play both and they'll be like, oh, eco is this, you know, masterpiece with some, you know, this like flawed masterpiece that's got this great message and everything like that. And shadow of the Colossus is really great. But it's not as compelling as Eco. For me, it's like not the impactful. exact. Yeah, for me, it's like the exact opposite of that. And I don't understand why, because I totally get what everyone's saying, like with the discussion last time about Eco and everything. But it just it didn't it's hit me like that. Kind of the like sense that. of you know, are you a visual learner or are you an audio learner? I mean, people just perceive emotions differently. Yeah. Overall, though, I mean, especially put in this convenient collection, they it's not to be missed. No, definitely not. And recently, it just went on sale for twenty-five fucking dollars at Best Buy. Yeah, so, I got it for forty, and I'm more than happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> that. There you go. Point proven. I think it's time we go ahead and just end off the show from here. Then. All right. So if you guys like what you listen to here at Press Pause Radio, and if you have any arguments or meta theories that you want to go ahead and piece together in terms of the connection between the two before. Go ahead, give us give us a holler back, holler back now, over at uh, our forums, our Facebook, our Twitter, our OneUp, our Tumblr, our website, our forums. Again, we, we want to push forum use. And also, if you like what you listen to, go ahead and give us a review on iTunes or soon. And you can go ahead and visit our store to check out our apps, which are available on both iOS and uh, Android where you can get the one-stop experience for everything that is Press Pause Radio. Merchandise hasn't been finished yet, but we're on the way of doing that, as I've always status here and there. It's, it's a matter of money. So if you guys go ahead and want to support the show in any way, you can already do that with the apps. Rob Bridge of Crush Rag Destroy, I want to fucking thank you so much for being on both uh, both sides of this a wondrous little cassette tape of a games club we've uh, conjured up. You are most welcome. It's been a while since I've done any podcasts. It's been nice and you, and you definitely chose the shittiest one you can be on. I can assure you that. <laughs> uh, and Sarah, I, I just love having you around. You're so you're so pretty. Yeah, and I know. It's been nice to like get you know an outsider's perspective looking in. But yeah, play this fucking game after we're done, please. Just <laughs> yeah. play, play one, play one Colossus. I would I would love that. And right. we do have another games club coming up shortly, but that'll be near the end of October. And there's some surprises to be put in there. Uh, should we just tell him? And actually, it's, uh, I've, we've decided to narrow it down. Should we just tell him, Sarah? What, what is it again? What are we doing? I for, for October, for the sake of the fact that Press Pods Radio endures as Halloween above all other holidays, and we always do something reminiscent of Halloween, oh, we're yeah. going to Games Club Fatal Frame. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just Fatal uh, Frame, You think we should maybe do just the first one? That's, that's what I'm saying. Just the first one. Yeah, because, I mean... When it all comes down to it, it was the best one, right? So yeah, and you know that's that's one that ultimately like we we would definitely get in on. But anyway, yes, let's do that. Yes, let's definitely do that. Oh God, me me aching pee pee. All right, I mean so, I've beaten that game, so it's all good. Yeah, there you go. And <laughs> I have yet to even do that. So 
Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and enjoy a half-eaten burrito, and I'm going to go ahead and call it quits. Thank you again for listening to Press Pod Radio. Rob, thanks again for joining us. And no problem. As it always, was a slice. It was a slice? It was a slice, yeah. Slice of life. Hey. You, you're cute when you try to be hip. <laughs> you just are. All right, everybody. Go enjoy your, your evening. Your evening.